Welcome in to Paydirt Sports. This is Will Dundon here with Seth Coggin and Nick Trucial. Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Big weekend, especially in golf. Obviously, had the Masters this past weekend. Scheffler pretty much, Scheffler pretty much ran away with it. He really did. I mean, after, I mean, I, I, he was up there day one, and then day two, he really, I feel like, kind of set himself apart from the rest of the pack, and then just finished out had that legendary was it a four putt or a three putt on the last hole three putt yeah three putt i think he just was burning he, edges but hey when you're up six strokes or whatever it's yeah good. it doesn't matter so, and uh i tried to uh squeeze in a um plus 300 cam smith live bet on uh sunday but uh didn't happen didn't wasn't happen. meant to be wasn't, wasn't meant to be, be. 12 Man, got none, him none of my 12. master's picks went through but Hey, you know, you win some, you lose some. It was fun. I still, I mean, I rode with Tiger, obviously. I was going to be a big winner if Tiger pulled it off. But like we said, I mean, the fact that Tiger made the cut, I really saw it. Um, I mean, as a lot of people did, those yeah, third and that- fourth rounds were really tough for him. But I could, you could tell, I felt like third round, honestly, I think he was just fatigued at that point. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of it was putting. He had a really bad putting day. But even, I noticed it on Sunday. It seemed like there were times where I saw him walking. You could definitely tell he was favoring kind of that right leg of his and then had to walk kind of with the golf club as a cane type thing. But again, I mean, I'm impressed that the guy even got out there. And I saw enough that I was like, Tiger can still win tournaments. I don't know when that's going to happen, but he showed me enough of his skill and like being able to put balls close at times. He's still got it. I think especially as he kind of gets used to how he's feeling. I can still see Tiger making a comeback and I mean, he made his comeback, but I can still see him competing for tournaments going forward. Yeah. I think about, I think about the final day pairing Tiger was paired on the fourth round at Augusta national with John Rom. John Rom was the betting favorite to win. Like John Rom is there every week. Like, and yeah, Tiger kind of fell off in that last round. His walking four straight days for him, like playing, was is just incredible hell incredible dude (laughs) he's 14 runs removed from like they're telling him you got to amputate your legs maybe you know a possibility but that's on the table and then he's playing at augusta paired with the betting favorite on sunday at the masters Uh, and they both kind of weren't in serious contention but it still was meaningful for tiger to walk up 18 like playing playing well enough to make the cut to be a to, to be in the mix that means he's really i mean still one of the top players on the planet just walking on he walks onto the golf course in whatever condition he's in and he can still compete at such a high level and and maybe not at a championship level yet i still think he probably has that in him i i, I seriously do if he can uh if he if he can just kind of keep keep on that upward trajectory of you know recovering everything his body's going to be fine. Like his swing is so much more simple and, and, and easy these days, it feels like, but he's still so as effective. And I think once he kind of works out a way to treat his body, like that's what got him in some of these body physical problems is just the way he attacked golf. Like no one had like just trying to create incredible torque and power. And that's how he kind of separated himself. But now he's, kind of evolved his game to separate himself in ways like he's, he was really good around the green a lot of a lot of the time. And, you know, Augusta is such a hard place to, to just like jump in cold to putting in Augusta and like the masters 
in that tournament setting. I mean, he's still – if he could find a way to really make a few putts one weekend, like get really hot, I, I definitely think Tiger could still um, – that's that's where he holds an edge. I think, I think he'll get – I think he'll evolve into more of a – like not short driver, but pretty consistent, you know, solid drives where he has a, a good iron. As long as he can stay in the fairway with his driver – he's he really could be golden that's where he got lost his last kind yeah. of comeback was he was just off he was awful wild with the driver and just having to get himself in too many save situations like nah just play it straight and like be you know be really dialed in around the greens and with your irons so i don't know well, yeah, it was fun to watch he... him play scotty Scheffler was amazing yeah scotty Scheffler well, was dominant number one player in the world that no one really knew about and then comes out and just dominates the masters it's baller yeah, well, it's funny you say that about the driver because I, I mentioned this last week, but when Tiger kind of first made his comeback the last time around and I talked about how he almost won that PGA championship before he ended up winning the Masters, that last round when he was really going off, he didn't hit a single fairway. And it was all highlights of Tiger hitting these crazy shots out of the, the straw, the rough, everything. But no, yeah, Seth, I agree because you saw it too. I mean, with with all the players, the Masters – greens all the slopes and everything guys are hitting it on the green and they're hitting the wrong slopes or they have a little too much backspin on it and balls are just rolling right off the green he's got enough finesse still to make that stuff work and he was hitting drives 320 plus at times I mean if you can do that you're good so yeah I I think that's kind of what you look at when a guy gets older too is can does he still have the power can he still get it there get to the par fives and three at times when you need to and he's still hitting it far enough to do that. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. But Scheffler, man, finishing uh, – oh, it was a stat I saw. I forget which high school it is. Y'all may have seen this. I, I want to say it Highland, Highland Park. You're talking what about is it? down there in uh, Dallas? It, yeah, in Texas. You're about, yeah, Highland have Park. Produced, uh... They've produced Kershaw, Stafford, I think another guy, and Scheffler. All yeah. from that high school. That's and, insane. Uh, Kershaw and Stafford were in the same class. Like, imagine walking the halls 2006 senior year, and you got Clayton Kershaw and Matt Stafford. <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, good for Scheffler. Uh, <laughs> someone else put out the stat just like a few weeks ago, you know, zero wins or anything, just like a few million and I think 5 million career winnings. And now you fast forward to this week and he's got a couple tournament wins, a major and his career winnings has tripled since what he had. He's gone since his first win. He's won four out of six tournaments, including, including a runaway, including a runaway at the masters. He is just, on another dialed in level to, to be that, to put that many consistent rounds back to like, that is a, he is obviously an exceptional player. And then he's extra, like he's just on another kind of tear. That's just like hard to replicate. It would be hard. It's like the best of the best Tiger Woods had a, a few of those kind of tears where you're just like winning every time. And if he could continue it, I mean, he's, he shot up to world number one. He's 25. Yeah. That's the thing. He's 25. Yeah. And he's already doing this. I mean, theoretically, he's he's going to get better with a lot of like years Ooh. to come, but we'll see. I could see this as a as a flash in the pan. I mean, we regularly, very regularly see golfers get hot for a year or two and then drop off the face of the planet. So 
Um, I'm not saying this is for sure going to happen, but uh, I, I'm not sold on them yet. Um, well, it depends, right? Because I think yeah. right now, especially, we have a ton of these, this like really young crop, crop of golfers. Yeah. Guys like him and Morikawa. Uh, and Torres. Yeah, Zalatoris. And Cam, I'm not sure how old Cam Smith is. I don't think he's too old either. Cantley's um, pretty young, isn't he? Yeah. He's a little bit older. I'm not sure, but but I we've seen it before too. Uh, you know, you go back a few years. Spieth, when, he fell off like. Well, and that's what I was going to say. It depends. But on what he's you still say around. Fell off because, like, yeah, yeah he's won tournaments cold. recently. Like he like, went cold for a while, but now it's like he's still getting back good. to where he's the favorites yeah. in a lot of these tournaments. Now he's got to win one again and kind of get back in there. But, but yeah, I guess it goes all the way back to Rory winning that. I think it was the U.S. Open, the first one he run back when he was early 20s at least and then obviously i mean tiger did it in 97 but it hadn't really been done a whole lot before and not a whole lot after but when rory did that we see a lot of these young guys i mean john rom's not that old you know you look at the top 10 in the world and it's a lot of guys in their 20s for sure uh but even you know you get 25 and under in there so i don't know i mean scheffler he's hot maybe he keeps going i I don't think he's gonna fall off exactly and i I don't know. We'll see, but I don't think he's necessarily going to slow down. I mean, he seems pretty dialed in and I don't know. He seems like he's very even keel, never gets too high or too low. And I think that's what helps a lot. You see a guy like Spieth who, I mean, at times has just blown up or gotten super cold, super high. He doesn't, he's kind of all over the place. And I think, I guess you could call it mental game. I mean, that's what it kind of comes down to. And Scheffler just seems like a very even keel guy that isn't going to get super bothered by, where he is in the standings just kind of goes out there, plays his game. I mean, he held on to that lead and he stayed once he got to 10 under, he kind of hung around there, went up and down a little bit, but finished off right around there. If it wasn't for the three putt or four putt at the end. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that also, obviously guys uh, had the college basketball national championship last week, got a couple. Yeah. Going to talk about that real quick, but also got a couple storylines just in the college basketball world. Trusha, I'm going to toss it over to you. Kind of talk about the national yeah. championship. So real quick. the uh, the first thing I want to uh, talk about is the right side, right kind of mid range area on the court. Um, in the second half, both Manic and Baycott fell on that exact same spot. Now I'm not saying there's anything crazy going on, but First of all, there's crazy gotta, things go on in New Orleans, man. You, you crazy feel things happen in New Orleans. For uh, Baycott, I mean, he's driving to the rim. He's been hot. There's a good chance he makes that layup. At, at, busts his ankle that he was already fighting through. Um, miracle happens. <laughs> that idiot from Kansas steps out of bounds uh, when when they have the game in hand. Uh, shout out to to Bad Beat minus four Kansas. Um, for for stepping out of bounds, but they actually drew up that play for Manic, and you saw him slip on that same spot where Baycott um, hurt himself. And uh, uh, really, it, it I, I, I want to say it was R.J. Davis that uh, got the shot. It actually looked pretty good, but uh, on TV, I, I think it was an air ball. It looked good on TV, though. Um, Nothing you can be mad about if you're a North Carolina fan. I mean, first year head coach, hell of a run. You gotta love Hube. You, uh, Baycott's coming back for another year. Um, a good, 
good, very uh, young core group of guys that uh, I think are going to be a, a lot better team next year. So, um, Kansas, you, you got to hand it to them. I mean, they they pulled off the biggest comeback in NCAA finals game history. Uh, they were down 16 at one point, and North Carolina had not lost uh, one game this year while leading at half, and uh, their first one just happened to be the national championship. So, rough night for UNC. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's really uh, all the insight that I had. We did get to do a Twitter space, uh, which was pretty fun. We had a, a, a few different listeners come in. Um, and we get we got to chat it up. So we'll be looking for more of those Twitter spaces in the future here uh, as some of those bigger games you want to hop on and chat a little bit and uh, do that. But um, that's pretty much all I got for the finals. Do you guys have anything else to add? Because uh, I got some stuff for Vols basketball, too. I, uh, I want to give Bill Self his flowers. I was I was a hater. Not even a hater, just like don't didn't really like him. I still really don't, but he did coach a good ball game to win a to win a tournament and to win two. I often define kind of elevated people when they can do it in different eras. Like if you can win a championship in one era, kind of evolve into a different scenario and still win it and win another championship. Like, you know, you can be really good and capture something in a small period of time and win something, but like to actually sustain something in two. So for him to win a championship in 2008 and then now circle back and, you know, and still win the big 12 a bunch of times, like obviously has kept it just so solid. Uh, And then to win another national championship, it's pretty impressive. Congratulations. That's all I got. He's in that, he's in that special club. Now he's got multiple natties. A lot of guys don't have two. So, I mean, yeah, respect to Bill Self. But we're going to – we coming for you next year, all right? That's all I'm saying is that <laughs> we coming for you. Yeah. Like like Trusha was saying, though, I mean, if you're a North Carolina fan, I mean, I may be speaking out of turn because I'm not a North Carolina fan. They probably do – aren't satisfied with much less than championships. But I think if you're in that position where – I don't know. I assume you weren't expecting a whole lot, uh, at yeah. least in the middle of the year, maybe towards the end, and you felt like you were getting hot, you are expecting a little more. But, I mean – Pad the stats, add it to the resume. Another Final Four appearance, another Final Four win. National Dude, they beat appearance. they beat Duke in Final Four to end Coach yeah. K's career. That's better yeah. than any national championship. That Agreed. truly is better. Like just because of what that moment meant, and to do it in the Final Four, the first time you've ever played in the uh, tournament. Like you beat you in Coach K's career. You basically you won the national champ. I mean, you you, yeah. you kind of had that kind of event in those in that national stage like yeah you lost the national championship on monday night but like saturday night was awesome like you know <laughs> yeah and you stymied so, him you 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 make yeah. sure he doesn't have a winning record against you now like you, yeah. you took you take now that he, off the table down to 500 and yeah. uh i spoke with uh dougie v to get his uh douglas valentine pater listener big unc fan to get his uh kind of interpretation on how he felt um and pretty much spot on uh he was like I mean, we lost, but the national championship was the Duke game. Uh, so we'll we'll take that win, and you can't ask for more. So I, I think that's spot on, you guys, with um, how UNC fans are feeling. I felt well, I, I didn't felt know, a, I didn't know Baycott was coming back next year either. I think that's huge because yeah, because he's, he's a junior. But okay. um, uh, so 
there's a couple of mock drafts that have him going in the second round, I think, but there's a, a pretty good chance he comes back. So I, I, I will say, I don't want to get ahead of myself. There is a chance he goes to the NBA, okay. but uh, I, I believe he does have, um, uh, there is a shot he'll come back. Yeah. Um, the only other thing too, yeah, we talked about the floor issue and if you saw the video on Twitter, especially when Baycott was on there, I mean, the problem was there were loose floorboards. Yeah. It bent. And I'm, I'm not need to get LP in there. Yeah. Official floor. And I'm not one to, I mean, throw the game on that or anything, but it obviously did have a big effect, yeah. but I think more than anything, regardless of how much it affected the outcome of the game, how are you? How do you have loose floorboards from the, the national at the champion. national championship? Yeah. Nah, how do you play? You play every regular season game in front of a crowd of twenty thousand or less. But hey, let's play the most important games of the year in in a in a stadium in an arena four times the size of any, like just in an area so uncommon to the game of basketball on a on a like put together like Lego court in front of in the deepest arena you've ever seen like how are you that's okay that's what we're gonna put our best like that's where we're gonna put our best uh basketball games of the year and just this place created for but you know that's kind of the spectacle of it like putting it in this grand arena like yeah the court that's an issue though that's kind of what i'm going back to like yeah. all right if we're gonna do this like if you're gonna build this temporary court but you know they build a lot of those courts and you know, they build the basketball court for SC tournaments, stuff like that every, every day or every, every weekend. Um, like on top of the ice, you know, they do this stuff all the time, but I, it sucks. It had to be an issue in the, you know, national championship game. Yeah, definitely. Um, We're kind of looking forward to next season. We do have, I want to get Seth's take on this. It looks like Arkansas, I think, baby. Yeah, you have the stats, but Arkansas up there with the favorites to be number one in the nation. Seth, just tell us a little Bring bit it about on. how you feel about it, what you're thinking, what guys – if there's any guys you're worried about not coming back or guys that are coming back, how you feel about being number one, what you think, man? Uh, it feels good to be number one. Uh, a little unsatisfying. You know, you haven't actually won anything. But being number one at the start of the year gives you the opportunity to be number one at the start and the finish and become like a truly great team. You know what I mean? Like the truly great teams are the teams they expect to be great. And they, they even kind of exceed those expectations. So to have a chance to be, you know, one of the greatest of all time, I'll take those expectations in May, <laughs> in April. Um, yeah. Got a lot of, a lot of new faces again next year, but we had 10, 10 new faces this year plus and made the elite eight again. And this year we would, have a much even more talented group of incoming guys. Um, Devo's staying. So Devo's kind of our sixth man this year, but a very important piece uh, of the team, very active player offensively and defensively. Hopefully he can get his, get his offensive game up a little bit. I think they try to make him a point guard uh, this year, which probably wasn't, uh, wasn't really his, his forte, but we'll have some solidified point guards. We got five, three, five star guys coming in. Five, but even bigger than that, you got five guys in the class, five top 100 players. So that's that's pretty that's pretty incredible. That's three McDonald's All Americans, three three uh, McDonald's All Americans. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. 
He is from like he played uh, last season at North Little Rock. He's from Central Arkansas, so he's he's a Arkansas guy. Um, who else we got? We got Anthony Black. He's going to kind of be the point guard, hopefully. Um, really impressive guy out of Texas. It was between Gonzaga and Arkansas, so those were kind of his final two. And you know, I think uh, I think the Hogs kind of taking care of the Zags in the Sweet Sixteen. There definitely. Definitely helps sway him. He's coming in with some other guys. Him and Jordan Walsh, just a <laughs> incredibly talented forward. Um, and then we've gotten in the transfer portal. So we have the number like two recruiting class in high school, out of high school, with three you know possible kind of one and done type players. Um, you know they probably they probably all won't go one and done, but they might. It's you know they're they're kind of on that level. Um, and then the number one transfer class in the country, like we've landed coveted transfer portal guys, older guys, that's kind of must's formula, like fill the roster with very talented incoming guys. Um, and that's not even to mention, I'm not even mentioning several guys in the class. We got two time Gatorade player of the year from Alabama, four star, and we got two time Gatorade player, Darian Ford, four star, uh, from Arkansas. These are just, I mean, these would normally be just great pillars of your program. And they're just kind of, I hate to call them afterthoughts because they're not like they're fantastic basketball players in their own right. And probably going to prove, you know, the rankings only mean, you know, they don't mean squat once you're on campus, you know, once you're in games and everything, like who cares? Um, So they're all going to, all going to get some play. Got some, got the twin brothers, seven footers from Rhode Island. I mean, what <laughs> we're getting twi- like twin seven foot centers. Um, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they all, all the, all the bigs now are multiversatile and doing everything. Got a potential NBA guy from Missouri, just scooped probably their highest, like literally this was Missouri's probably like most looked forward to prospect in the coming years transfers out and we just pick them up. Uh, a little addition and all pac 12 player Jalen Graham from Arizona state. Like they're just adding just weapons. Uh, but the last decision is Jalen Williams. So Jalen Williams, all SEC player this year, just a fantastic pillar for us creates offense and defense. Um, so his decision kind of remains out there. Uh, he's looking, he is a, probably a future NBA player. I would project him kind of, I hope he comes back just personally. <laughs> I hope he comes back just because he's very talented and he runs our offense uh, and orchestrates our defense very well. He's an extension of must out on the court, which is what you really need in a leader of like a championship level team. Like if you, we, we needed a guy like that to really be an anchor that would put us a legitimate number one, like Arkansas is the team to beat with this roster. Like, and that's that's the crazy thing that Mus has done is just elevate the talent on the roster. Whatever happens next year is, you know, whatever happens. Hopefully, it's good and it has the potential to be great. You know, but even having the expectation that you you've you've assembled enough talent on your team to be this good, and like we trust in your coach enough, you know, Mus has gone two straight elite eights, so it's pretty good. It's an exciting time uh, to be a Razorback basketball fan, and that's really what this this state loves basketball. Like it's a rabid basketball fan base that is passionate about the program. So when people get electrified on the basketball, it kind of flows to other stuff too. Like 
Um, pretty good time. Baseball's pretty good. They had a tough – dropped a tough series in Gainesville, but it's a long season. It's a long season. They're not – they can't – the Vols got all the hype and all the talk this year, deservedly so. Arkansas is just oh, kind of yeah. chilling under the radar. We're just swimming along, going to get our national top eight seed and hopefully see you on Omaha. That's what I'm calling. That'd be sweet. I, like I mean, kind of going along with that college basketball narrative, though, Tennessee in this past week has lost mm. a little bit of talent. Yeah. Um, let's guys. talk about – yeah, let's, let's talk about Kennedy Chandler first. I mean, obviously – Well, actually three, really. Because yeah. you, uh, Kennedy Chandler going to the NBA, Brandon uh, Huntley Hatfield probably going to go to Georgetown, and then Sky Clark, uh, who was a 2023 recruit, all signs were pointing towards Tennessee, and uh, he flipped to Illinois. So, uh, rough, uh, rough week for Vols college basketball. Yeah, and at least with Chandler, I mean, I I was expecting that. Yeah, I mean, I think it, he's. There he was projected, what, hope, top 15, top yeah, 20 at there least, was hope right? he was coming back, but I think most people knew he was gone. Yeah, and, I mean, good for him. That was – I mean, that was his plan coming into this. Yeah. So, glad it worked out for him and everything. Going to be a huge – definitely going to miss him a lot. But, luckily, I mean, you have guards there. You have still Vescovy and Ziegler, obviously, still yeah. playing there. But – Trucial, I want to get your take a little bit on the whole Huntley Hatfield situation because he's a guy who got more minutes as the yeah, year as it, the year went on. It's weird. Well, and what I heard, I mean, obviously he got more minutes with Nkamwa getting hurt and everything, but then kind of solidified his role a little bit as a good role player and I guess started some games. Am I right mm-hmm. in that? Yeah. So and, and we're I, losing I like, Fulkerson too, so you'd think more minutes. I don't know. Well, yeah, and because what I heard was him and Barnes never got on the same page, which to me is, I, I again, like I liked what I saw from him and everything, and I think he had potential to be a really good player. But when you have a situation like that where a star recruit especially, and I mean a player in general, him and the head coach can't get on the same page, especially with the way so many players love Rick Barnes, I think you're probably just better off parting ways if you're going to have issues like that. I mean, yeah. nothing – Usually, it, it it is a big loss in a way, but at the same time, if it's going to be issues with your head coach, it's kind of like, okay, it's probably better off you just go ahead and leave anyway. And even speaking to that, so it sucks that he's gone, but what really turned around uh, Tennessee's basketball season was going the small ball route. So really losing a big guy. Um, when clearly small ball and shooting the three and kind of running those smaller lineups works better. We're going to get Kamwa back. Um, honestly, I, I, like you said, I really don't think it's going to have that big of an effect. Um, and then, I mean, there's so much time to, to recruit and plenty of guys out there in the transfer portal. So I, I, tr- I trust in uh, the DKN to take care of things. Yeah, and that's what I think Tennessee people are expecting them to be ranked at around the top 10. And some some fans were excited, some didn't really care. I think it is kind of, uh, for at least Tennessee fans, you know, there's going to be hype. You're a good basketball team still. I think the roster you have, as it is right now, you still have a lot of talent, like we just mentioned, some of yeah. the players that will be back. But, it, I mean, it'll be – rankings are irrelevant for Tennessee fans for next year especially. I mean, obviously, the season's a long way away. The season just ended. Mm-hmm. But I think there's enough there to be excited. But it's definitely going to be, hey, we need results, that yeah. kind of thing. 
And we we already have B.J. Edwards, four-star guard, coming in from um, Knox Catholic. So it sucks we lose Sky Clark. Uh, we still have another uh, a big point guard coming in next year. Um, so it is what it is. Um, I'm looking up some of the prospects here because I want to see some of these uh, other potential other potential things going on here. So yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. I mean, obviously the season ended, so not too much information on the transfer portal or recruiting quite yet. Uh, but uh, I'm not worried about it. We've got a lot of talent on the team. We've got a lot of guys like Adu and uh, Ziegler that I think can take a big step forward this next year. Kamwa coming back. Um, yeah, just a bright future for the Vols. Um, but I don't know if you want to talk Huskers basketball, not too much going on there, but I'd be down to talk a little NBA basketball here. Um, yeah. The only thing I got from Huskers is, uh, our guy, Bryce McGowan's first five-star recruiting history for the Huskers. He's gone, which again, made sense. That was his goal all along. He's a very, uh, I mean, he, I feel like he's an NBA prospect to a T just his size and ability. He's super tall. Uh, super long and everything, real athletic guy, played point guard, so that helps a lot too, just being kind of have a little bit of a uh, bigger presence even at that position. He came essentially – essentially I think he came to Nebraska to play with his older brother that was there. Yeah. Made sense for him to be one and done. Should have won Big Ten Freshman of the Year, won Big Ten Freshman of the Week something like eight or ten times and somehow didn't get it. I mean – because the Huskers were not good at basketball this year is what I kind of chalk it up to. But yeah, I mean, Hoiberg, there was a little surge at the end there, got a couple ranked wins, which they hadn't done since I think 2019. So maybe Hoiberg's kind of setting the culture there a little bit. Not super. Husker fans will support every sport uh, to, to the fullest. All those games are sold out and they want results, even though we ha- we're not – a proven basketball program by any means. But again, I mean, it's not just going to be a, they're not just going to let Hoiberg continue to lose year after year. So hopefully there's going to need to be definite improvement next year. But yeah, again, nothing to really point to, I would say for me to say, Oh, I'm really excited. Or this is my prediction for next year. Just hopeful improvement, get kind of around that. If he could get around the 500 mark next year, I think a lot of Husker fans would be really happy with that. But yeah, if you want to jump in to the NBA truth, so a little News kind of – do we want to talk yeah. a little bit about – you want to talk kind of Lakers situation then we can yeah. jump into the Grizz? So I wanted to – first of all, I've got a couple of different things to, to go over NBA. A uh, couple of different coaching changes. So obviously Frank Vogel gone. Uh, the Lakers have missed the playoffs, and we can run through the standings here in a minute. Uh, so the Wolves, Timberwolves, have extended their coach, uh, Finch, and then the Kings are not bringing back Alvin Gentry. So we got another uh, a coach. I mean, Sacramento, they've got a good young core and really underperformed this year. So I think that's the right move. Alvin Gentry has never really been successful um, or not very successful wherever he's went. So I think that's the right move. Um the the fire behind Vogel, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's LeBron called it all. It's I mean, it's more the organization. I'm just saying they needed it was time for a new voice in the locker room. 
Um, so that's really, those are the major kind of coaching changes going on, but I did want to kind of do a little quick update of the standings here. Um, Grizzlies locked in at number two, which is going to be awesome. Excited, uh, excited about that. Uh, the Eastern conference finals tight finish has finally come to a close here as Miami has clinched the number one spot, uh, with Tyler hero coming off the bench. He's going to win six man of the year. Um, talking a couple of other kind of, uh, odds here. It's looking like Jokic is minus 380, uh, at MVP. So he's going to win back to back. And, uh, I am missing the odds here for most improved player. But, uh, last time I checked John was like minus 450. So he's going to end up winning most improved when I honestly think he should have won MVP. Um, Coach of the year, I'm actually interested to see Taylor here. Jenkins. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It could be uh it could be Taylor Jenkins. Um probably I mean they're him or uh the Suns. Yeah, know. let's see. So uh, Monty, Monty Williams. Monty? Yeah. yeah, it's Monty Williams. So but wow, Eric Spolstra ahead. So Taylor Jenkins is third. Sorry, right, give him the trophy. We're taking the we're taking home the Larry yeah, O'Brien. That's right. But uh, yeah, that was a quick rundown of kind of everything that uh, is NBA. But I did want to talk about the Grizzlies here. Uh, I sent in a tweet uh, earlier to the group here about some cool records that were broken by the Grizzlies. Read them uh, off this year. So source most- is the source. A random Twitter thread. We're counting. Yes. Uh, at D melt fan. Uh, thank you for, for putting this all together, but uh, it's all been confirmed. So we know they're real most points scored in, in a game by a single player in franchise history. That was John Morant against the Spurs 52 most blocks by a player in a season in franchise history. The league leader, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Most three pointers made by a player in franchise history, Desmond Bain, who participated in the three point contest, had 228. Most offensive boards by a player in season franchise history. We all know who that is, Mr. Steven Adams, uh, absolute freak on the glass. Most points by a player in consecutive games in franchise history, 98 by Ja Morant. So that was against the Spurs and uh, I want to say the Bulls. Um, And then they became the first team in NBA history to lead the league in steals, blocks, and rebounds per game. Um, Most away wins. And then uh, I'll close this out here with the longest winning streak in franchise history with 11, uh, 11 games. So, I mean, what about the about biggest win? You didn't even mention the biggest win in NBA. Yes, history. the biggest win in NBA history. Uh, most point, which included most points in a quarter, fifty-five. Most points in a, a game franchise history, one hundred fifty-two. Margin of victory, seventy-three points. They beat a team by seventy-three this year. <laughs> like everybody was getting, like you know how many different players set a franchise record. Like it wasn't just like one person just set, you know. Ja obviously set a few records, but like, nah, Steven Adams led the and franchise first in first like, Southwest you know, Division title, too. So yeah. let's not forget about that. That's amazing. And they got a lot of opportunity here. They got a lot of opportunity in the Western Conference to make the finals. 
And yeah. if you're there, go win it. I mean, this team's they're good enough. They but they think that they think that they're good enough so that they are so they are good enough. Like that's, that's kind of how it works. Like they got enough players, they you can go toe to toe with anybody. They they will not back down. Memphis will be lit for the finals too. Woo! Yeah. Finals on Beale Street. Nice. That's going to be insane. That's yeah. going to be insane. I did want to drop a, a cool little breaking news that I just saw on Twitter here. Um, so according to the University of Tennessee release, Tennessee is now the second Division One program ever to reach number one, excuse me, in football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, and softball. Uh, the other program is University of Texas. So both UTs. Wow. You can't young. even be the real UT. <laughs> even yeah. even Texas did all that before. The only school to ever do it was Texas. Does that make so, Tennessee people upset? Uh, I really, I really don't care about um, like who's Texas the real UT at all. Well, well, they wouldn't even be a state uh, if it if wasn't for Tennessee. Did. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> they, it's completely irrelevant. See, that always <laughs> confused my brain when I came to Arkansas here. Like. You know, yeah, 50, like 25% of the students are from Texas. So like when they like pretty much everyone says UT, they're talking about Texas, but yeah. it always brought me to Tennessee. Like it just held the same. Like Knoxville was uh, a school long before or University of Tennessee was a, a school long before Texas was. So yeah, I think can, that they can gripe all they want. Uh, I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> now, I think that kind of sets it up right there. And then UT Tennessee used to have uh we used to have the classic UT logo. We still, I think they still put it on some polos and stuff, but it used mm. to be right there in midfield. And I want to say they actually sold that logo to Texas. Don't quote me on that, but I remember hearing that. That sounds right. That sounds I, right. Heard, I heard that years ago, and it makes sense because I've seen Texas use that logo uh, in more recent history. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that I don't get too caught up in it, I guess – some ball fans, I feel like, get really into it, but I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't hold a lot. I, I don't care a whole lot about it, you know. If they want to call us UTK or something, go for it. That's fine. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But um, we want to talk a little Vols baseball here, continuing on the uh, the volunteer every week, trend. Same story Got every the, week. Same story. I mean, my goodness, this team is so much freaking fun to watch. Um, and did you hear they're playing Texas Tech with wooden bats? Tennessee Tech, I think. Or Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, they uh, Both teams were fine with it. There's going to be some extra windy conditions. Uh, so I think to be, to be safe, they need to use these wooden bats. Uh, but it's going to be fun. There's still going to be some uh, bombs being hit, I bet. That's awesome. Yeah. And are they playing in, yeah, are they playing in the Smoky Stadium? I want to say it's a neutral game or something. Yeah, I, I want to say it's a neutral site. That's right. They should wear like old school uniforms or something. Yeah, yeah wooden bats. Old, old school. school. Yeah. That Everyone rocking stirrups awesome. and everything. Just go as old school as possible. We get the old uh, like flip scoreboard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you have to have a scorekeeper up there going on. Field of dreams type Field stuff. of dreams. Yeah, field <laughs> of dreams type stuff. That would be freaking awesome. No, but yeah, I mean they just they just keep it going. Mike Honcho there with another another dinger coming around. Was was Jordan Beck the one who did the uh, home plate tap it with his finger? Did you see that? Uh, uh I can't, I 
No, did that was, see the uh, highlight, but I don't think it was Jordan Beck. Um, I can't remember. Is that Luke? Was it Luke Lipsius or whatever? Yeah, it it was Lipsius. yeah. That, that I don't know. I saw that video. That was pretty funny. I think it may have been Luke because it was the same guy who did the check the bat celebration after he hit his home. Yeah, run. So that, I think he's, that was he's awesome. killing it in the celebration department right now. But hey, man, well, that's, and, that's the type of team we are. We have so much swagger. Well, and the nation's getting mad. There are some uh, the baseball traditionalists are not happy with the uh, cockiness and pettiness of the University of Tennessee, and, and Tennessee they just fans, you know, are just waiting. eating it up. And they just keep and they haven't lost. Like they haven't had to eat crow at all this year because they just kept winning the whole time. <laughs> like they, no, they just not even keep a slip talking up. trash, like, and they keep doing it, and they keep just obliterating everyone. So like, if as long as that keeps going, it's it's very fun. <laughs> but even if like whatever happens it's ride the wave while you can like let's just while you're trashing everybody just keep it keep it up yeah i think that's what tennessee fans are kind of looking at it as is hey we've got a winner let's go all in on it we haven't been i mean there were times don't get me wrong tennessee had been to omaha before there were times they had really good baseball teams but the way it looks like they've just built kind of vitello's really just built this monster that's going to be here for a while tennessee fans are all in on riding the wave with it yeah, and I mean, w- with the renovations coming to Lindsey Nelson, um, and Vitello kind of seems like that type of guy that wants to build a program um, and stick around for a long time. And you see that in baseball. You see that with uh, LSU and Florida and Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Guys like to build programs. So I think um, Tennessee is going to be a-, a powerhouse in baseball for years to come now, which is going to be awesome. We- we yeah, found- I think he's- we found our guy. Yeah, and I think he's set in. I mean, last year we had that scare of wondering if he was going to leave for the LSU job or somewhere else. But he – I mean, and he was even more – he even came out and was like, I'm not as big into the salary as just making sure the baseball team is invested into and I can get the resources I need. But at this point, too, I mean, Tennessee's got money, and they'll – as long as he continues to take teams to Omaha or continues being ranked highly, he's going to get paid as well whenever – his contract is up or needs an extension, you know, so I'm not worried about that anymore. I think Vitello's here to stay for sure. But yeah, I just hope they can keep it, keep it going. I would hate to see kind of a season like this end early. You know, you really, I really want to get to Omaha again. Now it's he's Seth kind of how you talked about with basketball, like a week or two ago, he's got that expectation now and anything kind of less than Omaha isn't a, you're not going to be calling for anyone's job or anything, obviously, but, you want to get to Omaha now. That's the expectation, and that's what all the fans are hoping for. You're number one this late in the season. Your mission is is Omaha. And yeah. Any, I mean, get, getting there is one thing, and, like, your mission – I mean, really, you're in a spot to win it. Like, so mm-hmm. if you're – so not getting – not even getting to the – because Omaha is the real tournament, let's be honest. Like, you have – obviously, you have to get there. That's a threshold. Like, it evens the playing field. Um, that's kind of when the real tournament starts, right? So to not even get in the tournament is a huge failure. That, I mean, that's what Arkansas faced last year. Number one, all season, at, win the SEC, win the tournament, and then uh, not even make it to Omaha. Like, not even not even make it to the real tournament. Yeah, and it's kind of like we talked about a couple weeks ago. The Omaha kind of is, in a way, like the final four for March Madness. Like, you have everything else, but then – once you get there, it is kind of a different – it's it's a field of its own for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I hope they can go in and win it. We'll see what happens. I, so, 
we talked about this too. Still, I'm I can't ever remember how all the tournament stuff works before Omaha. But so there are like single elimination games, correct? Or is it all double elimination that, how it works? Uh well, it's sing so in the regional it's a it's a double elimination tournament of four, right? And then super regional, it's a series. Um okay. and then back to Omaha, it's another double elimination tournament and then a series in the finals. Okay, that's good to know then because I would always that would just be my nightmare is you get caught one yeah. game slipping. But yeah, that's good to know then. Cause I think, yeah, with that setup, I just don't see the Vols losing multiple games to a team. Now we'll see once they get later in, especially when they get in the regional and super regional, depending on the quality of opponent they play. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, and we're going to, I mean, we played some tough teams so far and uh, done it, but once you get to Omaha, all bets are off. Um, and you know, everybody's going to be playing their best ball. So not, ex- I mean, you can't go in expecting a national championship, but I- I'd say it's safe to uh, uh, safe to say I- I'm expecting a college world series appearance this year for sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think Vol nation would agree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, but will, I know you wanted to talk a little bit, uh, Husker spring game, um, Tennessee actually got they weren't able to do a spring game this year. They had some spring scrimmages, closed practices. So I don't really have too much to talk about there, but Will, why don't you uh, kind of run us through uh, what you saw there? Yeah. So I was super excited for the spring game. Like I said, a lot of, I think there's six transfers that are starting on offense this year. I think that's going to be the move. Uh, Obviously, So it was hard to kind of gauge a whole lot, especially because the first half was just two-hand touch. And when that happens, I think the main kind of uh, dig at that is, especially in the run game, you can't really – it's hard for the offense to get going in a run game because, you know, running back, if he's touched, he's down. And especially when you have – we have a couple – we have one bigger back specifically, Jacquez Yant, who's kind of the bulldozer, who just is there to pound through the line and everything. And it's like – you kind of have to use your imagination and think, okay, is this a run? He would have busted a couple tackles or gotten through those arm tackles and made a few guys miss or whatever. All, all that happens. But so I wasn't super impressed with anything. I don't, I don't think Husker fans could really say they got a lot out of it. Anyone who yeah. is super high or super low is probably wrong. The only thing I didn't like seeing was offensive line looked like it struggled. But going with that, a lot of the plays made against the offensive line were guys like Garrett Nelson, who might be the best player on the defense this year that could be an all Big Ten rush in. So you kind of you, you take that too. OK, is this guy just playing really well and it's hard to block him or is it the offensive line just getting pushed around? That's something I think Husker fans need to look out for and most are paying attention to is what's going on in the trenches. I will say. It was enough for me to say, okay, look at some of these transfer guys on offense at the skill positions. A guy like Anthony Grant, who transferred in, who was a big, I think he was the number one Juco running back. He ended up having a 50 or 55-yard touchdown run, uh, making a few guys miss really quick, like really quick first step and in the backfield finding a lane. Excited about that. I will say we didn't really see a lot from Casey Thompson. He played, I think he just played one series actually and completed his first row in a tight window if 
I mean, if nothing else, but really Chubba Purdy, the other transfer from Florida State, Brock Purdy's little Chubba. brother. Yeah, he was the one who I think Husker fans were pretty excited about. He made a bunch of really good throws. He's good. He's good. And he got the reps too, right? He got him and Smothers and some of the other lower quarterbacks got obviously a lot more reps, especially in the second half. So, I mean, good to see that these guys have talent at least. Um, I'm trying to think of what else really stood out to me. I mean, really it was that offensive line mainly. I will say saw the kicker shank a couple field goals, which has definitely had Husker fans moaning and groaning, I'm sure, in the yeah, stands. Because Here we go again. <laughs> if, if they can't get the kicker situation figured out, whoo, that is, it's going to be another, I mean, it's going to be another long year. I mean, that's what lost us games last year. Just got to uh, score touchdowns. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, but I mean, there were times where we'd miss extra points or get extra points blocked and that screwed us over. So we'll see. I will say the, I think the transfer punter that we got, I want to say from Montana, I know it was an FCS program, but he was the number one punter in the FCS anyway, did have like a 70 yard punt so that the whole play, the whole stadium erupted. And kind of going with that, the whole stadium, I think there was around 55,000 at the spring game. So again, another just kind of compliment to there's no place like Nebraska going to be all going to be packed for a spring game. Obviously not packed all the way, but 55,000 in a spring game when you're selling tickets to usually get for Husker fans way to stick with the program. I mean, this is the year. That's all I, that's all I have to say. You have to frost. I did see a few Twitter threads asking what Husker fans would be satisfied with. And I'm really not going to be satisfied with anything less than seven wins, Mm. like six wins. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna call for Frost Head if he gets six wins. But I'm gonna say, look, that's not. It's probably not happening. If we only get six wins, they'll keep him around, and we'll I'm see six. what happens going forward. But I really hope you get to that eight win mark. I mean, I, I'm hoping for a lot more than that. Seven though, I would be satisfied. I would say, okay, seven and five, decent season, especially considering how the past few years have gone. I'll take it. But seven again, and five, seven and five gets you another year to me. <clears throat> like a six and six in year six. Is this the year six? Six and six. Uh, in no, years. I want to. I think this is year five. Actually, year five. So yeah. six and six in year five ain't that ain't it in Nebraska. So like, and that's you know you you've been given. He's been given a new life almost. Like Scott Frost, he he could have been fired, and it would have been like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But they stuck with him because he is kind of their guy. And they want it, but but this is your year to kind of really prove it. Like, prove what you can kind of do, not just kind of peak. Like, we need you to prove that we can compete at a higher level, like, with you as our head coach. Like, we need to see – you. we need you to win eight, nine games to really show, like, no, nah, I'm really trying to elevate the program to where we're – so I say I say anything under eight is – is not not too good. I'm I'm but that's that's kind of my expectations for Nebraska too. Like I'm saying no, Nebraska's a really good program. They should be expecting to win nine games a year. Like you win nine, like we kind of made fun of Bo Pelini there for a while, like nine win. Like wasn't he winning nine wins? But having some nine win seasons, seasons, yeah, that's what I'm that like, ain't bad. Bringing yeah. those together is pretty impressive. And then you know the that's you gotta elevate some and still kind of elevate too. Like I get why you you can be unsatisfied with never elevating past that level kind of, but at the same time, there is something to like, so going out and winning 
Nebraska is no stranger to winning nine, 10, 11 games in a season in a pro as a program. That's the, that's the level of their program. So why can't he have a season up to the level of their program? Like this year, this is year five, just because they had a disappointing year last year where you kind of, the record is a little deceiving on the, where the level of their competition is like, they're not arms and legs away from their competition last year. So like if they can elevate just a little bit and you can make big improvements in a year with the way the transfer portal and everything works now, like you can make considerable roster additions that, that elevate your team just enough, just enough to win, win 60% of those games you kind of lost in the last little bit and you have a really good year. So just yeah, my thought, and- I'm picking I'm riding the Nebraska train, man. I'm riding the Huskers, Scott Frost. I'm on, I'm on board. I don't know why. Haven't really proved proved me much, but I'm ready to I'm ready to roll again. It's a frost warning. This is me giving issuing a frost warning for the Big Ten West next year. I'm ta- I'm talking Huskers to the championship, dude. And you're not as crazy as it sounds. You're not alone. <laughs> I mean, people <laughs> probably look at the people look at these Husker fans that are saying that and think they're crazy. But there is something to be said about hey, you lost one game by more than one score and that was it and it was 10 to ohio state you know so like you i mean credit to what you're saying they're not arms and legs away because there were a lot of games they almost won last year and even the talent that you lost you kind of replace with as good or better talent you lose adrian martinez which was kind of a mutual goodbye for both of them and you come in with casey thompson hopefully he pans out it's it's really going to come down to him Maybe not as much as the offensive line. I'm really worried about that. But if Casey Thompson's good, you have a team that can win. You lost Samari Torre, who's going to the NFL, who was a transfer that was only there for, for a year, and you replace him with former five-star and LSU starter, Trey Palmer, who's coming in and looks good. That was a guy who I saw make a couple catches, and he looks good. He looks like he's going to take that starting receiver spot. So we'll see. I, I mean, I'm with you if – nine wins is not crazy as crazy as it sounds because especially because the schedule is definitely easier this year and set up to be more forgiving just because of the order it's in you start off with a couple cupcakes and like we said it comes down to well you do play northwestern the first game but that was a team you actually dominated last year so hopefully you can do it again but again that that oklahoma game kind of the third or fourth game of the year is a lot what it comes down to can you come in when you play a big team and actually finally get that big win you've been searching for in the frost era and said i may have misspoken it may actually be i think it may be his sixth year now um because i know his entire career and adrian martinez career match up he was there when adrian was a freshman so it may actually be a sixth year but yeah i'm excited i mean i'm always ready for football to get going this is the time of year where it's it's fun that i can kind of follow baseball a little bit and get into that especially and then you got nba and nhl playoffs but i'm always ready for the fall to roll around and get football going but yeah, Trucial, uh, you said this at the beginning. The ten- do you know what the reasoning was behind not having the spring game for Tennessee? I, I guess it has to do with Neyland's renovations. Yeah, it had to do with Neyland's renovations. Um, they were originally talking about doing it uh, at Nissan Stadium, but just wasn't able to get it done. So they had some impromptu uh, closed scrimmages and practices. So there wasn't really uh, too much insight um into those since it was uh closed off but hey at least we're getting out there putting in work still uh still getting some reps in for the the new guys um the biggest thing though 
um, that I've heard uh, Taven Jackson, that uh, new quarterback that came in, he is heads and shoulders uh, above where they want him to be at. Um, and uh, talking about he's fitting in exactly where they want him. Um, and uh, it could be uh, – he could be – now, Hennon Hooker is obviously going to be the starter uh, next year, but we might have uh, uh, some QBs kind of in the back burner here getting ready to go, um, and that's uh, always exciting. Yeah, because that was one of the first guys Hypo went out and got when he came yeah. to Tennessee, kind of like, hey, this guy is a guy that fits my offense. That'll be interesting with Nico coming in because – you know, even though Nico's a five-star, has all the ability in the world, being in the offensive system for a year means a lot, just having experience and knowing how to run it, everything. And if Taven Jackson is, like you said, heads and shoulders above everyone, I mean, Vol fans shouldn't be surprised to see a QB battle going on there. Especially yeah, competition is always good, especially at the QB comp- uh, uh, position. Yeah, and you have to think – I mean, obviously, this is all in the far future, but – you have to think if Taven Jackson works out, Nico may not work out. I mean, you're not going to keep a guy like him around for four years to to play one year or whatever. Yeah, because you know? he'll transfer. But hey, maybe it um, turns into a, a a Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua. We we kind of get to see all three, um, and obviously Jalen Hurts transferred, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe somebody takes a step back and then it takes a big step forward their senior year, like a, like a Joe Burrow. I don't know, but it's just good to have a lot of competition uh, in in the quarterback room for sure. Yeah. I mean, I always get worried about stuff like that just because you get so worried about losing guys, but the, the bottom line is the best guy's going to play. So whoever is starting for you is the guy who's fit to play the position. So 100%. But, again, that's in the far future. We'll see how all that pans out. That's good to hear. I mean, you definitely want to hear young guys making strides and doing well. Yeah. Definitely. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I had for uh, Vol football. We'll have uh, we'll have more to talk about as recruiting uh, kind of picks up steam here. So, Yeah, guys, do we have anything else we really wanted to cover? Did we get it all? I think, uh, I think we got it all. We hit everything. Um, pretty good episode here. I like it. Yeah, I'd like to think so. But, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, thanks again for listening. This is Patriot Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Food, fitness, travel, entertainment, anything you need. Go check them out, sixpackcoverage.com. Be sure to check out us on social media, Twitter at Pater underscore sports. Like Trucial said earlier, lots of Twitter spaces. We're going to try and kind of input that into our brand a little more, get y'all involved, get to talk to the listeners a little more. Uh, check us out on Instagram at Paydirt Sports, and then be sure to check out the website, paydirtsports.blog. Guys, it's been fun. Thanks again. We'll see y'all next week. Paydirt out. <laughs>